We are wrapping up our series on Psalm 23. It's six verses long. This is our sixth week, and we have been breaking each one of these down NFL film style. We get the word psalm in English from an ancient word meaning songs of praise. And Psalm 23 was written by David, who himself was a shepherd and speaks from experience. And uh, he was also known as Israel's greatest king. This is what we've read in verses one through four. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the thread of all four of these verses is the image, the metaphor of God as our shepherd and us as the sheep. This is not necessarily a compliment, right? Sheep can be very high-maintenance livestock. Shepherding is dirty, stinky, hard work. My friends Kelly and Mike made a post on Facebook the other day, uh, tending to their sheep, and I thought to myself and commented, hey, thanks for providing the intro to my sermon this week. Check this out. So this is Mike, our worship leader at Westside. Poor sheep. Poor Mike. Look, the little dude looks way different afterwards. The little black sheep at the bottom. What a hot, sweaty mess. This is the picture of God as our shepherd, who isn't afraid of doing the dirty work. And that's good news for us, because we're a mess. Friends, right now, we are such a mess. As I monitor the news, have conversations with folks in our church, as I consult with my colleagues and other pastors, I wrestle with leadership in the midst of a pandemic and in the call around our nation for racial justice. And as I wrestle with these things, I was reminded of an episode from Jesus' life. This is from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I love that. The world desperately needs the good news of Jesus Christ that in his life and death and resurrection, we can be reconciled to God and that we can be agents of reconciliation and that we can be instruments of peace to the world he created good and longs to restore. This is a crucial part of what it means to follow Jesus, to obey our good shepherd, to be part of his flock. He said there's plenty of opportunities. Not everyone's signing up. The workers are plenty the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Got to get that straight. Psalm 23, 6, it provides an amazing conclusion to the concept of God being our shepherd, of, of what it means to be a part of God's flock, for God to be our shepherd, our host, our provider, and our protector. So what I hope we'll discover today is that blessing is our destiny, one of the reasons Psalm 23 is so meaningful to so many people is because of the hopeful honesty it conveys. It speaks very plainly of reality, and that rings true. 
Psalm 23 describes enemies, valleys, evil, things that are present, things that we understand are real. But verse six has been something that believers have hung their hat on for thousands of years. It means a lot to me personally as well. This last February, after my dad passed away, I wrote a post about it the next day, just kind of letting people understand my family's sad news. My family has been so touched by the support from our church, from our family, of course, from our friends, and some of that, a lot of that, has even come online. The day after he passed, I wrote a post, and my friend Janice made the following comment. Surely, goodness and mercy are your companions now. Prayers for you and yours. I love Janice, and, and this meant a lot to me. This was Janice's kind of personal translation of Psalm 23, 6, which reads, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a conclusion! And I think we can glean quite a bit from zooming in on several concepts in this short verse. Goodness and love. Who could argue with that? But what exactly is meant by the text here? What we translate goodness in the NIV version, which we read from, is the Hebrew word tob, meaning that which is pleasing or valuable or useful, that which is of benefit. This word occurs 484 times in the Old Testament. And this is a fitting crescendo for a psalm which is comprised primarily of all the ways the shepherd provides for the sheep. Rest in green pastures, refreshment beside still waters, safe passage along the path through the valley, the rod for protection and the staff for comfort, provision of a table, security from enemies, oil, wine. That all sounds pretty good to me. And these are all symbols for what God provides that is most desirable and most useful and always beneficial to his flock. Tob is paired with love, the English word in verse six. Other translations read mercy or loving kindness. So the Hebrew word, which we read earlier as love, is hased. And this is an unfailing kind of love, uh, some translations use the word steadfast. This is often used to describe God's love that is related to faithfulness to his covenant or to the promises that God has made. This is, this is a word, this has said, is God's faithful keeping of God's covenant. This word appears 249 times in the Old Testament. So both of these concepts, goodness and loving kindness, the, the, these, these are recurring at a high rate in the scriptures. This concept of hesed is also used in describing kings in proper relation to their subjects, doing what is best, doing what is right for the sake of their people, acting in their best interests. This is what hesed means. Another example of this word in action in the Hebrew Bible comes from Numbers 14. The Lord is slow to anger and filled in unfailing love. I don't know about you, but I could use some steadfast love that doesn't change or flake out or falter. This is what David says is surely his, and we can agree 
is surely ours. These qualities of God, goodness and loving kindness, David says they follow me. The New Living Translation reflects another facet of of the meaning in the original Hebrew. When it translates verse six, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. Isn't that interesting that that at the conclusion of Psalm 23, it's this picture of God's goodness and loving kindness in pursuit of us. Earlier we read about enemies which surely pursue, which surround. But that ain't the only thing on your tail. God's goodness and mercy, God's loving kindness, God's unfailing love, pursue us. I love this image. When our faith is in God, it isn't just our enemies pursue us, but the blessings of God that always follow close behind. Most of the image of Psalm 23 can face us following God as a sheep follows a shepherd, but here we get the image of God following and pursuing us. Look, I know I've mentioned this recently, but one of the big developments in my family is that my six-year-old learned to ride his bike. Again, I think I've mentioned this in these recent sermons, but uh, when we're not doing a whole lot at home, riding the bike is kind of, kind of the big deal. We've discovered the paved path off of 19th Street, and it is amazing. Uh, we've, we've really enjoyed getting out there and, and, and putting the pedal to the metal. Uh, but on the ride to, from our house to the path, about halfway down my street, the sidewalk ends, and so Aaron and I ride kind of on the street close to the curb. And you best believe I'm following close behind him. I'm right on his flank watching his every move, especially while we're on the road. I love this image of the goodness and mercy of God always at our side. David says that God's goodness and loving kindness will pursue him, will follow him all the days of my life. This is a bold statement. The picture is all-encompassing. All the days of my life. Now this is an easier verse to recite when things are going great. But what about when they aren't? W. Philip Keller wrote a book that I've leaned on heavily throughout this series. Speaking as uh, a shepherd himself and drawing upon his experience, his book is called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. I think you can get it for like two bucks on Kindle right now. So I'd recommend that to you. This is what Philip Keller said, how many Christians actually feel this way about Christ? How many of us are truly convinced that no matter what occurs in our lives, we are followed by goodness and mercy? Of course, it's very simple to speak this way when things are going well, but then there's times when my little world is falling apart and the dream castles of my ambitions and hopes crumble into ruins. Can I honestly declare, surely, yes, surely, Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. We talked about this in the series, that that when things are not going great, when God is hard to find, that's exactly when faith comes in. That's exactly when we need God's goodness and loving kindness the most. This is when faith is necessary. Keller says that in every circumstance, we can trust God's nearness and desire for the best for the sheep. Us. He says, my serenity has at its basis an implicit, unshakable reliance 
on his ability to do the right thing, the best thing in any given situation. Psalm 23 closes with some of the most treasured words in scriptures. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So there's two revolutionary concepts here. Back when David wrote this psalm, monotheism was not trending, right? That, that was, that was a, a, a new or, or not very subscribed to concept, the worship of one God. Right? This was not common thousands of years ago. The word for house is bayit, and it's used elsewhere to refer to the temple where God was worshiped, where it was believed that God resided. And the concluding word in the psalm is forever, which is also interesting to interpret. In the Old Testament, in the Jewish mind, eternity was, was not really a religiously significant concept. Elsewhere in the Psalms, when we read about salvation, it, it doesn't have like this eternal bent to it. It's about salvation or being saved from your enemies. It's about victory over opposition. It's about God's deliverance from evil. Temporal. Earthly. This closing word forever can also be translated length of days or an indefinite portion of time. Now, generations later, we have the witness of Christ and, and we have the witness of the church throughout the generations to claim the promise seated in Psalm 23 that we can follow God and trust in the security of our soul for this life and the life to come. Blessing is our destiny. The goodness and mercy of God promised to us in Psalm 23, pursuing us, that is what God desires to provide us with as a shepherd provides for their sheep. Goodness and mercy. These are some of the marks of the Christian life and, and, and they fit in the metaphor of shepherding as well. Keller notes that when sheep are well cared for, and wisely shepherded, the environment around them thrives as well. This is what he said. The sheep's habit of seeking the highest rise of ground on which to rest ensures that the fertility from the rich lowland is redeposited on the less productive higher ground. No other livestock will consume as wide a variety of herbage Sheep eat all sorts of weeds and other undesirable plants that might otherwise invade a field. So where sheep graze under the guidance, under the supervision, under the care of a wise and good shepherd, when sheep graze, fertile and weed-free land also follow them. So we might pose the same question. Wherever we go, do we leave the goodness and mercy of God behind? Are we making an impact on where we find ourselves? If we as believers have received goodness and mercy from God, it is our call to extend that to others. And the good news, friends, is that there's plenty to go around. I'm afraid too often we approach things with the, with the mentality of a zero-sum game, meaning that someone else's gain is our loss. If someone else is getting ahead, that means you're falling behind. That's a zero-sum game mindset. 
right? We, we behave like there's only a, a limited amount of goodness and mercy to go around. And if we extend some over here, well, that means we've got to take it from over here. Right? That, if, we, if we give goodness and mercy to someone, that means we have to withhold it from someone else because there's only so much. I, I, I disagree with this whole mindset. When my daughter was born, I didn't sit my son down and be like, listen, man, we got 50% love to give you. So, so we'll be furloughing a lot of, you know, a lot of the love and attention you've received. That's going to be cut at about half. There's only so much to go around. No, that's ridiculous. No one would ever say that to their children. That's not how it works when God supplies new mercies every morning. There's plenty to go around. The word pastor is only used once in the New Testament, in Ephesians 4.11. Our English word pastor is the Greek equivalent to poimen, or shepherd. This week I got a call from someone on the other side of the phone. I said, hey, this is Adam. They said, hi, Adam. It's one of your flock. I liked that. That's one of the highest honors of my life, to be a pastor, to follow in the long line of shepherds, attempting to serve God's people. And within our flock, within our community, there are people who have experienced the world very differently than I have as a white man. I know this because our church worked with the Department of Justice and the Kearney School District for us to house an event at our church called School Spirit last winter. I got to listen firsthand to the pain of students who had experienced racism. Not out there somewhere, here in our town. And it's our job as Christians to extend the goodness and mercy of God to them. To listen. To confront the uncomfortable reality of our own racial biases that we harbor. Maybe, probably, unknowingly. What is needed is the willingness for white folks to get uncomfortable, to educate ourselves, and to not remain silent about racial justice. We will be offering the flock tangible steps and opportunities. It's coming, friends. We're in this for the long haul. I, I don't care about making a splash on social media. I don't care about, about what people's impressions are of me because of what I do or don't post online. I care about being a pastor. I care about the first responders and officers and firemen in this community, in our church. I care about their families who fear for their safety. I have been inside their homes. I don't think being critical of unjust killings means a condemnation of all law enforcement. 
I believe that God supplies us with enough goodness and mercy to go around. And I care about our church, about this flock, making an impact on this community in Jesus' name. That we would make new disciples for the transformation of the world. God's provision as our shepherd isn't just for us, friends. We are blessed to be a blessing, and blessing is our destiny. So for this moment in our nation, I offer you some of my favorite words I've ever heard. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German theologian and seminary professor. He was working at the seminary at NYU during World War II. And as, and as the Nazi regime rose, this dude actually went back to Germany to help lead a resistance. I mean, when you read his books, that just hovers over your mind because this decision cost him his life. So inspirational, so, so just challenging, and it's, uh, it's, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is one of my heroes. He said this, we must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do and more in light of what they suffer. This is the phrase that is on my heart and mind constantly when I jump to conclusions, when I rush to judgment, if I feel the instinct to be quick to condemn, I try and remind myself of Bonhoeffer's words. It's become somewhat of a mantra in my life, and I hope that it can be a similar gift in yours. We must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do, and more in the light of what they suffer. So before we go condemning what we may not understand, Let's extend some grace to listen and learn. The promise of Psalm 23 is ours. Surely, goodness and mercy are your companions now and forever. And everybody said, amen.